This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. how are you how is your week going as I'm recording this it really is starting to feel like spring the sun is out the washing is on the line what more could anyone wish for before we dive into today's episode just a little reminder that if you're looking for some more sustainable-ish inspiration then my Sunday newsletter could be just what you're looking for Each week I send out an email to subscribers with one simple swap to think about making as well as all the latest podcast episodes and blog posts in one place so you don't have to remember to go looking for them. And as an additional thank you or additional little nudge to help you take action, everyone on my email list gets access to the Sustainable-ish Basecamp where I've put all my freebie resources in one place. So you'll find things like Sustainable-ish 101, a checklist of 101 easy changes and swaps, as well as my Plastic Free-ish in a Week challenge. So I will pop that sign up link into the show notes, which you can find at www.asustainablelife.co.uk forward slash podcast, if that sounds like your cup of tea. Okie dokie. Did you know that on average, kids in the UK receive about £350 worth of toys a year? Now, I was pretty shocked when I read this and indignantly thought to myself, there's no way that applies to my kids, especially as we buy the vast majority of their toys secondhand. But when I stopped and thought about Christmas and birthdays and presents from relatives and those times when they drag you into the toy shop and your resistance levels are at an all time low, it's easy to see how it can actually all add up. And when I look around the clutter and the mess in my kids' rooms, or actually more accurately spread around the floors in their rooms waiting to trip me up, and the toys that were abandoned halfway up the stairs and in the kitchen and in the lounge, I can start to feel a little bit overwhelmed. I try my best, I think like most of us, to keep on top of it and have recently instigated a one-in-one-out policy. But as any parent of small kids will tell you, the instant you put a long forgotten toy into the charity shop box, it becomes their favourite toy ever that they could never even consider parting with. And you're a heartless meanbag for even thinking about it. All of which is why I'm so excited about today's episode. I'm chatting to Nigel Fan, founder of a website and startup called Whirly. Now, Whirly is an online toy subscription service where your kids can literally swap till they drop. There's a brilliant range of stuff on there from rattles for babies through to Nerf guns for bigger kids and bigger things as well like ride-on toys for toddlers through to scooters and balance bikes. So it's a great way to see if your kids actually like or get on with a toy before making a bigger investment. And if they really like it, you actually have the option to keep any of the toys on the website. In this episode, you'll hear me reference £19.99 as the cheapest package that they offer, which is actually wrong because since recording, Whirly have gone through their official launch after their successful pilot and now have a £9.99 a month option, which feels like great value and my kids are pestering me to get. So settle back, ignore the messy bedrooms and playroom for a minute, grab a cuppa and listen in. Enjoy. Hi, Nigel. Welcome to Sustainable-ish. Hi there, Jen. Thanks for having me in. Brilliant. It's it's fabulous to have you here. Really exciting project that you're doing. So can you start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and a little bit about Whirly? Sure, absolutely. My name is Nigel Fan. I am the founder and CEO of a new startup called Whirly. Uh, what we're really trying to do is change the way that parents shop for toys, turning it from a very frustrating experience that uh, parents find at today's retailers into something that 
you know, it's first of all a lot more sustainable, but also a lot more affordable and a lot more fun for both parents and children involved. Yeah. Now, we had our videos on at the start of this call and I said to you, you look far too young to have kids yourself. So what's your background and how did the idea for Whirly come about? Sure. Uh, I'm in my uh, late 20s, as I would say, without being specific. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I used to work as a management consultant uh, and also a junior partner. And, and, you know, in short, you're right that I'm not a parent, uh, but I know many people and friends who are parents. And the idea for Worthy came about when uh, I was having dinner uh, with a group of them. Um, And one parent in particular who had a first kid and then recently had twins. Wow. Kind of, uh, yeah, just explaining to me the cost that, he was going through of having to now buy new push chairs that were fitted for twins, mm-hmm. uh, you know, different kind of uh, toys and whatnot, and just expanding the amount, the amount of stuff that he needed to have at home to accommodate uh, his, his, his new children. Uh, and we just started discussing around you know, how um, the kind of transient these costs are and that the expenditure that you incur but don't intend to use for a very long period mm-hmm. of time. And everyone prefers to buy new because of quality or concerns over safety, etc., uh, at the end of the day, it ends up being a very sore point for families, particularly if you know you've just had kids and you might be on maternity leave and trying to really stretch uh, your budget, but then also feeling the pressure of having to buy all these new things when you're you know at a reduced household mm. income. Um, so when we started discussing this, we thought that there must be a, a better way uh, for us to kind of utilize the power of a sharing economy. Uh, to help everyone with a different experience that, you know, it's more affordable, that's more pleasant, uh, that also just helps reduce a lot of the frustration and pain points that parents feel about some of these big ticket purchases, mm. the concept of you buy something and then a month later, you might, you know, it might not be what you needed, it might be too small, too big, not the right skill level, not the right age level, mm-hmm. or your kid might not just like it. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, what do you do with that? Uh, you bought it and now sitting at home uh, and, you know, you ask most parents and they tell you that it just becomes clutter and you learn a valuable lesson. That's what they yes. say <laughs> about the next time you go shopping for something like that. Yeah, definitely. I do remember when I was pregnant with our youngest and so we already had a two-year-old boy and my dad just looked around our lounge and just went, what are you going to do if you have a girl? You're going to need to like double up on the toys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So even like funny story, about it, I'm the youngest of three, uh, but for whatever reasons, when my mom went for her scans when she was pregnant with me, they thought I was a girl. Okay. Uh, and so <laughs> my parents, uh, you know, I guess it was a different time to have bought a lot of pink stuff ready for my arrival and whatnot. And when I came out, they were surprised to find that was like a boy. <laughs> and so I spent you know, a lot of time, my parents figured out, oh, we've really bought all this stuff, we might as well still use it, maybe there's no difference. Like, <laughs> so they dressed you in all the pink stuff? Uh, I'm not so sure, there are pictures of that still, right? <laughs> I mean, but, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, I think I sympathize a lot with um, these kind of things that happen quite frequently, uh, where parents buy something and, you know, I, I'm not sure they regret it, but you know, there's the element of you know, this just wasn't perfect. And maybe if I had known now what I, you know, back then when I bought it, I probably would have made the purchase. Yeah. Um, we create the worldly environment, you know, the, the notion that we need to um, quite address this, all these pain points that parents feel. Uh, and then in particular, the, make sure that we provide them uh, you know, convenience, flexibility, because I think at the end of the day, I think what most parents would tell you is that they value. Um, the benefit of flexibility you buy something or try something and they decide later on you don't want it or you want something else uh, and not feel like you have to commit uh, to a purchase especially if it's a big item like a jungle rule or you're kind of locking yeah it. so how much of a motivator or a driver behind it was sustainability and the environmental impact of all these toys and things uh, to be honest, uh, it wasn't at the start, but then over time, it grew to be a bigger uh, motivation factor for myself personally. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think because a lot of it came down to when we started the service, really, we then saw, uh, you know, obviously when we designed it, we thought there was a great sustainability angle to it. We did a lot of research that shows that you know, millions of toys get thrown to land mm-hmm. every year. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of these toys are still made of plastic. I think, in fact, there was a report that suggests that Toys is one of the biggest criminals when it comes to plastic usage because if you wow. think about action figures and you think about the bulk of toys for Fisher Price, etc., uh, the most commonly used material is plastic yeah. um, uh, rather than you know, any other industry that might use more fabric or textile or more kind of compostable material. Uh, at the end of the day, um, it, the other thing that also struck me was that uh, 
uh, when we started getting toys from suppliers, how much packaging there was on toys. And mm. it's another frustration point that most parents would tell you, buy a toy from the store to come home to find that you have to wrestle with it. Too. <laughs> and you just get it out of the packaging. And then once you get it out of the packaging, it needs two batteries that went from the yes. et cetera. Uh, and then when you dispose of all of that, you, you, know, you forget that there is you know, batteries to dispose of properly. Yeah. Uh, there's plastic in the toy. There's plastic all wrapped in packaging. Uh, things are still packaged. Uh, you know, I find this quite funny, but in, in today's kind of e-commerce and online world, every single manufacturer still packages toys as though they're being sold in shops. Uh, right. So it comes with all of this excessive uh, packaging that's meant to make it look good on the shelf yeah. uh, that you don't necessarily need if you were buying it online or buying it on Amazon anywhere else. Um, it just seems very uh, wasteful. Uh, and so... Uh, over time, we also learned that this became such a big point for our customers. We learned that you know, we do a lot of things in the most sustainable way we can. All the packaging we use ourselves is uh, reusable uh, and recyclable as well. Uh, and you know, we're one of the few companies that also tries to reuse the actual boxes we send things out in. Okay. Um, so, you know, we send a box to a customer. They will then use the same box to return it yeah. to us. And as far as the, if the box is in enough condition, we'll use it again. Uh, all in a bit to just reuse and basically reduce uh, our footprint. Uh, so to answer your question, though, it, it didn't it, at, the, at the start it wasn't because I think at the start it was more about the kind of frustration mm. that parents feel uh, just buying these goods. But then over time, as we started to physically work with the concept, physically send parcels out, we see parcels back, all the things, we were just conscious ourselves of the ways that we were generating as yeah. a business, uh, and then wanting to help you know do our part to reduce that. Yeah. And had you come across the sharing economy before in other forms? Yeah, you know, I think this was quite interesting because when we, at the start, when we were researching whether this was a feasible um, concept to work on, a feasible startup to launch, uh, we looked at sharing economies in a lot of other different industries. And you know, we live in a day and age where people are quite open to the notion of sharing economy and mm-hmm. sharing things. So, like our apartments or Airbnb, we now share yes. bicycles, or all these bike sharing schemes, scooters has been very big in, in the States, uh, even cars like Zip cars. And, you know, we, we share quite a lot of things these days. I think the mindset has really shifted from you know, 10, 15 years ago where people would be proud to own things mm-hmm. uh, to today where people are very proud to be part of the sharing economy because they're, part, they're, they're proud to be savvy around affordability, savvy around sustainability, etc. Uh, and generally recognize that wasted space in homes, wasted toys, etc. cetera, uh, is an opportunity for someone else, an opportunity for yourself. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, personally, I, I, I do, you know, I use Airbnb, I have a Zip membership, etc. cetera. Uh, and then when we discuss toys, it, there was this like sudden realization within the team where it was like, you know, we share so many things, but no one really shares toys. Uh, I think a large part of it because of some considerations around cleanliness and safety, which you know, we take very seriously, uh, but just also because it feels like a category that people don't think about uh, as much in terms of uh, the smaller items. Yeah. That, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not something you spend a few hundred pounds on a single item, it's something you spend maybe by 10 or 12 items that add up to a few hundred. Yeah. Uh, so it's the kind of thing that builds up rather than a single big purchase. Yeah, and it's, it's something that I'd never really thought about before. Might actually, there have been toy libraries, I think, in the past yeah. that I've come across. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are physical toy libraries. And the one thing I think I'll give credit to you know, every single parent out there is that the parents do tend to be quite savvy around um, uh, recycling toys into, you know, or, or, or um, handing down to, say, mm. the mix of cousins or doing uh, work-based exchanges like uh, a take one, leave one kind of swap. Yes. As you say, toy libraries and local communities are actually particularly very good at that. I think the big thing that surprised me was that, and you know, why we started worrying is that there isn't a kind of professional um, service, a professional outfit that facilitated all of this. And it, yeah. you know, the it, historically the element of um, sharing and reusing uh, amongst parents has been largely driven by either individuals that organise this at their workplaces, or it's a local community that mm-hmm. uh, thing like your local um, toy library. Uh, but there wasn't a professional service that you know tried to facilitate all this in a professional way that alleviates concerns around cleanliness and safety. You know, a lot of parents tell us that they're yes. very hesitant to buy something off Gumtree or eBay just because yeah. you never know what's you know what's to clean it, it's missing a few parts, etc. Sure. And it's all very informal. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us how it actually works. If somebody comes is interested and they come to the website, how does it actually work? How do they pick their toys, how do they arrive, all those sorts of things. Absolutely. So we have a variety of plans to choose from. Uh, a, a parent arrives to our website uh, and they first of all decide you know, 
how many tokens or how many toys they want. And the way it works at Worley is that you know, we're first and foremost keen to make sure that parents have the full flexibility to choose exactly what toys they want to get from us. Mm -hmm. I personally believe that every parent has their own philosophy over you know, how they want to view issues like gender neutrality and toys, how they want to view the balance between how many books do I get, how many toys do I get, or even personal preferences to parents prefer wooden toys versus plastic yeah. So we never want to be in a position where we prescribe a certain philosophy and we prescribe our own point of view to the parent. And our philosophy is giving the range of options available for the parent to make the decisions they want to make. Mm -hmm. uh, so on our website, you see uh, every toy has a token value. And how that works is that uh, one token is equivalent to one pound retail price. Uh, so mm -hmm. a toy that you would get on Amazon for 20 pounds is worth 20 tokens on our website. Yeah. Uh, and we offer different tiers and different subscriptions uh, based on how many tokens of toys you want to have at any given time mm -hmm. uh, and how much you're willing to therefore of course, pay for, for the subscription plan. Um, once a parent you know, picks a subscription plan, they then uh, go on our website and it's just like shopping on Amazon or any other retailer. You choose exactly what toys you want from us to construct, say, if you have 180 tokens to use, that might mean that you can choose you know, 10 toys at mm -hmm. the each or if you prefer you can choose three toys at 60 tokens if each because you really want the big items etc yeah um, so you choose that uh, and then uh, you know we pack it up in our warehouse and we send it to you uh, and then again uh, parent has a full flexibility to then decide how long they get to keep each individual toy and, and we were very keen on this because you know very, very, most parents they often tell me about this notion of what they call a hit rate you know if i went christmas shopping and i bought 15 toys or, or my child has 15 toys from various gifts grandparents, etc. there's possibly a 20% hit rate in that 80% of the toys get neglected after them. Right. 20% of them are actually going to enjoy and they will keep and they want to keep yeah. them. And so again, there's a lot to prescribe to parents. You, know, you, you only keep these toys for a month and return everything and whatnot. Uh, we let parents choose uh, and that means that if you get, say, five or six toys from us, usually what happens is that within two or three weeks, you know quite quickly these are two or three toys that you know, my child has never really played with or they weren't the right skill level or the yeah. age level, the size or what have you. And you can return those two or three toys and we did two us to keep everything else. Yeah. And so uh, what we've built is this notion of, you know, trying everything and only keeping what you love. Yeah. Uh, and we also offer the, uh, the, the, the kind of proposition that if you decide you really like something, you can just keep it forever uh, or buy it from us effectively at a lower than retail price. Yeah. Uh, so in this way, you're, you're never really worse off than shopping at a retailer because uh, you're only buying from us at, at the same retail price. Uh, everything you've tried before you love and everything yeah. that you didn't like or everything that you didn't think you want to keep, you just sell it. Uh, you know, you just, you just return it back to us and pick something else. Yeah. And it's so clever because... I'm sure lots of parents will resonate with this, that one, you reach a point where you're like, oh my God, we need to get rid of some of this stuff. And you have a big declutter and there'll be stuff that the kids haven't touched in months. Yeah. And the minute they see it in the charity shop box or the car beat box or whatever, it's their favorite toy and they can't bear to lose it. But if you can say to them, look, guys, you haven't played with this. We're sending it back. Let's pick something new. They kind of know that they're going to get something else exciting in exchange. I think they'd be much more willing to let go of the stuff that, that to acknowledge that they don't play with it and to let go of that stuff. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, one of the pillars of what we're trying to focus on and do here is also the teaching children the power of sharing. Mm. Uh, we've talked to a lot of parents who, you know, obviously uh, it's quite commonplace that, you know, parents try to teach children about sharing. It's something that, you know, I don't think kids maybe innately are born with and parents try to teach about sharing at the playground, sharing toys with your siblings, sharing clothes, etc., etc. Um, but uh, as you described, it's a very uh, common experience for Time you get very possessive around the toy if you're going to give it away or mm. uh, give, donate it to a charity shop. Uh, but what has really resonated parents about our service is that the notion of teaching children to share and, um, and kind of uh, manage their own toys in a way of like if they knew they could get a new toy by returning an old toy, yeah. they'd be more likely to participate in that kind of thinking. And also if they knew that you know, by returning this toy, it went to another child that might want to play etc. Again, kind of brings them into the kind of decision making and seeing the power of sharing, meaning that you know, they can play with more toys that other people, other children in the you can play with more toys, etc. Yeah, and that whole concept of enough, I think that's quite difficult. It's difficult for grown-ups, but difficult for children as well, that you know, maybe you've got enough here and or let's let's swap that one out and bring something else in that you might like and give this other child a chance to play with that one. I think it makes that much easier for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing I'm a little bit, uh, I think, critical about the industry for is, uh, you know, I think a lot of companies do very well to market their children where they should mm-hmm. uh, and create that pastor power where yes. you know, kids frequently ask their parents for the latest, you know, licensed merchandise from a film they've just watched, etc. And then two months later, there's another film they've just watched, you know, mm. uh, latest merchandise for that. Um, and, and you're right, it's about teaching them about this notion of uh, what is enough and there's, you know, a concept of the amount of toys you can physically play with at any given yeah. point in time and you don't really need that much more. Yeah. Managing it like you would manage any other resource like money, right? Like yeah. How do you figure out what's enough for you? How do you figure out what you want? How do you prioritize? Do you want two smaller toys, one bigger toy, etc.? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's an interesting angle that, you know, at the end of the day, we see ourselves as a service for the parents and we design our website already for parents to use. I uh, fully welcome that parents would want to sit down with their children and go through and manage their toy box together like, and say, like, oh, let's return this and get that in exchange, etc. which I think could be a really great experience for the child to empower them to teach yeah. them managing their own toy box, but also put them a little bit in control and you know, give them that sense of being part of something bigger and the benefits of sharing, etc. Yeah, and... I mean, my kids are slightly outside of your age range because I think you go up to about eight, don't you? And mine, That's right. youngest is just turning eight, my eldest is 10. But I can still imagine that both of them would get such a buzz out of sitting there and being allowed to choose. Because I'm so used to, well, we just don't take them in the toy shops because it's just too painful. <laughs> but, you know, if we go into the charity shop and they're, oh, can we have this? Can we have that? And it's like, oh, I just can't face any more clutter at home. And for me to go, guys, you've got this amount of points, knock yourselves out. They would like burst with excitement. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, at the end of the day also, um, it's great for the parent because what we're trying to do with Wordy when we design the service is we want to be a service that can cover, say, 80-90% of your toy needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, like we don't do a few things. Like we don't do Lego or things that are too many missing pieces or single-use things like arts and crafts mm-hmm. because obviously they just don't suit the concept. Uh, and the notion being that, uh, you know, today when the parent goes to a retail shop, as you described, especially if they bring the kids along, they get tested so much yes. into spending money and pressured into spending money that they might not feel like spending. But what we're trying to do with Wordy is also give, uh, you know, a very fixed kind of uh, view of like, this is the budget that you have to spend yeah. every month to constantly refresh your toy box. And you no longer have to dread the kind of, you know, two every two weeks, every four weeks going yeah. to the toy shop or them just seeing a toy in the window while you're walking down the high street. <laughs> Uh, it's something you can't avoid. But if you knew that you had a fixed kind of monthly plan yeah. through this plan, you could always refresh the toy box that way. That just reduces so much of the frustration and so much of the kind of pressure that comes with, you know, having kids pass you for stuff. Yeah. And it's the sort of thing as well, I imagine, I don't know if this is something that that is possible, but that you could say to grandparents, look, instead of getting them, you know, just some random stuff over Christmas, can you give us three months with Whirly or six months with Whirly or can the whole family club together and get us a year or whatever? Because I think that's, that would take a lot of the pain away from Christmas and birthday. <laughs> Absolutely. It's actually something that we are actively thinking about. And we recently just completed a piece of research that we commissioned into this. And we discovered some really, I think, you know, shocking figures when you see it as numbers, but anecdotally every parent will tell you about the frustration of receiving gifts be it from friends be it from you know cousins be it from grandparents etc uh, but the stats show something like um, every year uh, the average parent gets around uh, six or seven toys um, at birth and Christmas that they actively do not want their children to have mm. and all of the six or seven something like I think it was four is a result of um, gender stereotype toys uh, right. and I think it's, this is a very kind of classic issue even when I try to buy a toy for a friend's child there's only really so much I know about mm, what yeah. that child like doesn't like or the TV shows they're in love with etc uh, and so you find that a lot of people uh, commonly refer or, or, or kind of go back to stereotypes when they purchase toys if you're going to a party for a two-year-old boy you go mm. get some duplo Lego you know to go to a party for a girl uh, you then have to get something a little bit more pink and whatnot. yes and at the end of the day you know, a lot of other retailers are quite terrible when it comes to gender neutrality in that there are still owls that are clearly denoted as blue and more uh, geared towards if you're buying for a toy and then there are owls that are more pink and more about fashion dolls etc mm-hmm. uh, whereas at Worley uh, we're quite proud that you will find uh, Barbie next to Wonder Woman next to kind of all the uh, kind of superheroes like Ant-Man uh, yeah. etc in the same category uh, and we don't do any um, biasing in terms of toys 
Uh, but then, then you also get sort of parents who say that they get gifts because it's, it didn't fit their you know, philosophy or it's like a top that show that they don't like and they don't mm. want the children to get into. Or you also get commonly gifts because they're not the right age level or yeah. the right skill level. Uh, and then every now and then you get duplicate gifts, sometimes at the same party. Um, yes. So <laughs> what we're trying to do around that is, as you described, you know, we're quite keen to make sure we also alleviate those frustrations. Uh, and a few ways around it. One is, yes, uh, we have Sweet to offer a solution where parents get or grandparents can actually give a worthy subscription rather than give a toy uh, so that if you really have a worthy account or if you've never had a worthy account, you just get a couple of months credit added to it. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Free. Uh, the other things that we're also looking to launch is to see whether we can accept uh, any toy, whether new or secondhand, and back into worthy so that we can help recycle it either through our service or we can help give it to put it in charity shops where it can reach children in need. Um, so those are kind of a few ways we're trying to address the gift yeah, no, I love those ideas. Now, when you sign up, there's a minimum three-month sign-up. What's the thinking behind that? Yeah, so, you know, I think um, as a sharing economy subscription service, we are quite different to a lot of the classic subscription box service where, uh, you know, to describe a classic subscription box service is one that sends you a box of uh, products every month. Yeah. And what a lot of customers would say is that within the first month, um, they would tell the first box wasn't curated enough or wasn't the type of quality of products I was looking for. And I think it gives you a good enough sense for whether you enjoy the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Worthy, you know, I personally felt that um, we wanted people to try us for a longer period of time to make that sense of whether they like the service or not. Yeah. Uh, in particular, I think a month or two months doesn't really uh, give enough an experience because uh, you know, first of all, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to do a full swap uh, yet. Uh, and, and so we wouldn't have been able to experience the whole notion of how do I return a toy? How mm-hmm. do I get a new toy? And then and, you know, am I therefore um, saving money or being able to play with more toys through the service? Yeah. But then also because uh, a few age-appropriate things, like uh, if you need a walker for your child, you might need that for two months before yes. you can come back and return it. Um, so we thought that three months was a good level where we felt confident that in, in the end of three months, if the customer has tried the service fully uh, and didn't want uh, to continue, uh, then you know, they would have the full opportunity to try the service yeah. uh, and make the decision. And we really wanted to prevent customers from you know, trying it for a month uh, and then wanting to cancel because we'd rather encourage them to make sure that we help them get as much of the service as possible. And yeah. We have seen instances where parents would ask, like, you know, are having trouble returning and we'll guide them through that process. And it's a little bit as well, it comes up to the fact that we are at the end of the day asking parents to change their behaviors. You don't want to just buy and receive and receive and receive. You also every now and then have to go and do a return and you drop things off. Uh, and there's a little bit of just an adjustment period that we just wanted to make sure that everyone goes through as well to evaluate whether they like the service or not. Yeah. And I think, when I first looked at the subscription packages, I think the cheapest one is is 20 quid a month, isn't it? And I was like, God, I'd never spend 20 quid a month on toys for the kids. But actually, when you take into account Christmas and birthdays, it probably does average out. And I think your stats say that the average kid gets £350 worth of toys a year. And so actually, if you were to say to the children, look, for Christmas, we've got you this subscription it saves that influx of all the things at Christmas and at birthday and means that it, the excitement is spread out over the year. And I think for me, that suddenly becomes much more doable when I think about it like that. Absolutely. Uh, I think, as you say, it's quite interesting. When we speak to most parents as well, um, they, they seem to think they don't spend a lot of toys. But <laughs> <laughs> there have been a few instances where, you know, with friends, especially we've tasked them with the, the exercise of going home and adding up their Amazon orders. Oh, God, yeah. It does come up too. <laughs> 200 plus, 300 plus, and then they get really shocked by that. And again, it comes back to the notion of these are toys that you, know, you buy every now and then on your Armstrong High Street, or you see something, you know, a new film just came out and you buy it, and your purchases that are 10, 20 pounds, but that adds up over time. Yeah. Uh, and then Christmas alone is something where, you know, I think the average parent in the UK spends around 100 pounds on toys yeah. uh, in Christmas. Um, and so it's quite staggering when you add it all together. And, and you're right, I think. You know, the one thing we were trying to do with Worthy and we explored in the early days of different kind of brand messages as well is this notion of it being Christmas or it being birthday every month or every day. Yes, yeah. And constrained to the, the two big occasions in the year of a birthday and Christmas to get a new set of toys. And frankly, you could do that every month uh, and still spend the same amount of money and keep to your budget. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, having said that, I, I would also recognize that you know when we started Worthy, we wanted to make sure this was a uh, affordable and accessible service for everyone. Uh, at the end, of, we do have multiple missions here, and one of them here is also uh, around uh, the notion that you know play and toys are very important for children's development cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know the research shows a strong consensus in that children need a variety of play uh, to make sure they build the right level of motor skills, cognitive skills, mathematical skills, language skills, etc. And children that play more and have the right set of toys through the age appropriateness do tend to then therefore develop better, uh, do better in school in the early years. It sets them up for life quite differently. And it didn't feel right to us that, you know, even at such an early stage, early age, that there was quite a socioeconomic divide in that if you're a parent that could afford all these toys and afford to trade through the level, different levels of skill and age appropriateness, that you're giving a kid kind of a better chance at succeeding in life later on. Um, so we've worked quite hard throughout the pilot menu. I alluded um, earlier when we spoke that we were actually in the middle of uh, doing our full launch. And one mm. of the things that we're very proud to, to do in our full launch is that we're soon to uh, announce a 999 subscription flag, which brings us you know, right down to wow. the level yeah. of like a Spotify on Netflix subscription, which most parents have and, and don't think about. And we've managed to do this largely because through the pilot, we've uh, looked at every, all our customers' feedback, uh, we've spoken to them about how easy it is to return and central. We optimize a few things in operations on our, how we do our deliveries, how we do our box sizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then we're quite comfortable that we could offer a 99 uh, pound a month kind of price plan uh, that would give parents enough toys to play with uh, and then also be economically sustainable for us as well. Cool. So tell us about the pilot. How, when did you actually do your pilot launch and how long has that been running for? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We first launched the, the um, pilot uh, in early November. So I think it's the second week of November. <laughs> and, to, and to be honest, I think with every single launch of a major service, it's, it, it was a little bit choppy. Uh, mm-hmm. There were a few kind of critical bugs we needed to fix uh, on the website uh, quite quickly that we identified and fixed. Uh, by the end of the day, uh, we managed to recruit our target of 100 pilot customers. And these are all paying customers mm-hmm. uh, uh, that you know, are also strangers to the business. Um, mm. you know, they're not like, oh, just my best mates and whatnot. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, but we then also managed to recruit uh, customers from a very broad demographic because at the end of the day, Worthy is a UK-wide service. And we mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that we were obviously too London-centric uh, or yeah. centric uh, so we have customers that go as far as you know, Northern Ireland. We have a customer that is in the Scottish Islands, some in the Highlands as well. And it was a very interesting challenge for us to see if we can live up to that promise of having our parcels delivered to all of these places, yes. having the toys returned back to us in our warehouse. Um, and we've been very pleased, uh, I think our like, four months on, that it's been quite a massive success and that uh, obviously a big concern that everyone has is around uh, how these toys are maintained, are they going to come back to yes. them, are parents going to miss pieces and parts, etc. And we haven't seen any major issues that you know, gives us uh, a lot of concern. Sure, there are minor instances where, you know, obvious things always go missing and, you know, something comes back a little bit incomplete. Uh, but that's all within yeah, reasonable expectations of, you know, what wear and tear is and just reasonable expectations of, you know, we don't want to overburden parents who having to keep everything together. Yes, there's a pressure I can imagine. <laughs> exactly. like, oh God, where's the piece of that gone? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're very understanding about these issues when, we, you know, part of our pricing also reflects that we have to take into account um, that we are very reasonable at the end of the day of damage and wear and tear. Mm-hmm. We don't charge customers if you are just missing a coin in the, in the right, yeah, etc. Uh, and we've not had to charge actually any customers for any uh, excessive damage or any excessive things that we have gone missing. Uh, so that has been really successful. And I think the best uh, kind of um, statement for us is that comes directly from customers who uh, have told us how much they enjoyed the service. We've actually also had some customers then decide to upgrade to a bigger plan. Oh wow! So much, and now they want to get more toys, or they want to get some of the bigger toys. They yeah. Have. Etc. Um, and, and generally, a lot of positivity around the entire experience, the way that we uh, have constructed the concept for them, uh, but also a lot of very constructive uh, feedback for us, uh, in particular around the type of toys that we have. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, we listened quite early on. Uh, when we first launched, we had something like only 400 toys on our website, uh, which was just you know, at the service level enough, I think, to construct a toy box. But if you had uh, someone that was really keen on specific categories, mm-hmm. of toy, you might not have and we listened very closely and asked a lot of customers what they thought about our range and what they wanted to see a stock. Uh, 
Um, and that resulted in us uh, adding something like I think, 15 brands over the last two months and 400 yeah. more employees. So we're something above 750 now. We have a few more big brands in the pipeline that I can't quite announce yet, uh, which should take us to about 800, 850. Oh, okay. So and it's not just toys, is it? There's um, books and games and things as well. Absolutely. So I think we, we, you know, it's a bit difficult to understand where to draw the line on yes. you know, begins. <laughs> you know, uh, and so we do have uh, books uh, and fancy dress, uh, and we also have some things that you know, are more uh, functional, like it might be things for uh, a jumper or a stroller or whatnot, which yeah. is not necessarily a toy, uh, but it's obviously something that a child needs. Uh, at the end of the day, we kind of decide to draw the line on broadly entertainment or, yeah. or, or the kind of space of where or what you know, parents need to keep their children occupied, to keep them developing, or anything that we feel is quite transient in nature. Uh, and book is quite an interesting category for us. We actually have a pilot customer that actually just got all books from this. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, which is quite interesting to see. Again, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a category where obviously actual libraries exist, mm. uh, but I, I totally understand, uh, it's fair to say, like, you've got sometimes bedtime books that are so popular with your children that you yeah. read time and time again every night, and then you've got other books that you know, these books are simple at the end of the day. If you can't reread them, they've, they've taken like 10 minutes to read and you're done with them. Maybe spend five pounds on it. Yeah. Um, so it's a good way for parents, I suppose, to try different books with us uh, and then see what lands. Um, yes, yeah. Because our eldest, he goes, we went into the bookshop at the weekend and he just reads voraciously. So sometimes it almost doesn't feel worth buying a book for him because he'll read it in an afternoon and but it you never know if it's a book that he's going to come back to again and again so you know we use the library an awful lot but I still think he might like the idea of having some books that he could keep for a month or two and then absolutely and then I think so also I think again from the angle of development we are we are working quite hard to also source more uh, books that are centered around learning to read, uh, mm-hmm. where you know a classic Peter and Jane series will go yes. through different kind of levels, and, uh, uh, and it's the kind of thing where you know a, a whole Peter and Jane series can cost you something like 150 pounds. Yeah. Uh, where uh, whereas if you kind of like just bought one at a time and went through the kind of age levels, you could completely do yes. that with your subscription. Um, it costs you far less. Uh, and so again, this notion of you know trying to make sure we are quite conscious and thoughtful about how we build our range, build our category. Again, balancing quite a lot of very different missions that we have, yes. uh, and then just making sure we listen to our customers about what they want to see us have. Yeah, and there's a, a thing on your website, isn't there? If people want to suggest toys, they can just fill out a little thing and, and add that as a suggestion for you. Absolutely, it helps me. You know, I yeah. try to keep in touch with all the cartoons as much <laughs> as I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite difficult for me at the end of the day. So I've learned a lot about different brands, different yes. franchises as well, which has all been quite interesting. Yeah. Now, I'm sure this is a question you must just get asked all the time, but how do you, when toys come back to you, how do you make sure that they're safe and clean before they go out again? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So the first thing we always do when a toy comes back to it is we do quite a thorough inspection of your what this toy um, should look like uh, in that is it missing any parts or anything broken off the hinges which may have presented a kind of uh, safety risk in terms of yeah. sharp hinges for scratches etc um, and so we, we generally just first of all inspect the condition of the toy uh, and then based on this condition we decide that it's good enough for us to continue using it and if it's good enough for us to continue using it uh, we then perform quite a thorough clean and sterilization um, and sterilization of course quite an important part of this to make sure that mm-hmm. everything hygienic uh, and germ-free. Um, a lot of what we do, uh, we work with our suppliers uh, to figure out what's the best way to maintain the toys. Um, so for example, something like fancy dress, uh, it's quite difficult to maintain. We actually make sure we hand wash all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are other things where, you know, if it's largely a plastic toy, you can clean it quite well yeah. in uh, either dishwasher or washing mm-hmm. machine. Our parents do this at home. Uh, and then we use a sterilizer and then gently make sure we rinse it so there's no obviously um, overly harmful chemicals yep. on it. Um, and then there will be toys that come back where it's in a bit of a questionable kind of condition and that, um, you know, I always distinguish toys which are completely broken slash unsafe, uh, in which mm-hmm. case we would then dispose of it as environmentally friendly as we can, take out all the batteries, make sure those dispose of properly, uh, and then recycle and save this as we can. Uh, but then there's a great area of toys which we're trying to learn how we work our way around. Uh, and I describe these toys as toys that you know, might not be in a good enough condition for a paying customer, mm-hmm. but they would be a good enough condition still to play with or safe to play yeah. with for a child in need. 
so we are actively actually looking for uh, and speaking to a couple of different charities to see how we can get some of these toys who yeah. we think can go to children in need, be it you know, domestically in the UK or internationally, yeah. uh, and get it sent to them. Uh, and this is one of the big things that we're working on later this year, uh, because once we have that process in place for knowing how we get those toys to, to the people who use them, yeah. uh, we're also going to open ourselves up more broadly to accept toys from parents at home. Uh, because we get so many, even pilot customers reach out to us, telling us that they love our service. And in fact, they want to return to us toys that they didn't get from us. Right, <laughs> yes, yeah. They're doing a spring clean or they just feel like it could go to someone else. Um, yeah. And I think it's very, obviously, you know, honorable intentions for everyone. But right now, we just don't have that kind of process in place. So we're actively looking for partners out there to help us with that. Yeah, I can imagine partnering with, you know, women's refuges or something like that would be um, possibly something that would fit in terms of, you know, if people have had to leave home and just take what they can carry, then there'll be kids out there that, that don't have access to. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think you know, at the end of the day, um, a lot of families, a lot of parents have a lot of toys at home that they've not touched for a long time. Mm. And what most parents tell me is that, you know, obviously, putting off a deep spring clean aside. There's just a notion of a level of sentimental value as well that gets attached to toys. Yes. And the most common thing I hear from parents is that, you know, there is some sentimental value of toys. It's one of the reasons why I keep it at home. Yeah. Uh, but if I knew that it was going to go to someone in need, uh, that I would be okay disposing or, or, or donating it. Yes. And also it was convenient enough because I already had a subscription and I was returning stuff to you yes. every every now and then anyway. All I really have to do is pop that thing in the same box, send it to us, tell us you're donating it and then we'll take care of it for you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a brilliant idea. So you've had your pilot launch and then we're recording this sort of mid-March and I think you're just prepping for your full launch, aren't you? What's that going to look like? Yeah, so that's going to be um, quite interesting for us. Uh, it's hard to predict what exactly it looks like, but the biggest thing for us is introducing and changing the way we do our subscription plans to make it a bit more affordable and flexible for parents. Mm-hmm. So another big point of feedback that came to us was that um, uh, you know we offered free delivery returns in our packages as standard, uh, but to be honest, a lot of parents think that they'd rather not have that, which is a funny and surprising learning oh, okay. for us. Uh, just because I, I think parents felt that with the notion of free delivery returns, they felt pressured into having to constantly think about getting new stuff and constantly think about making a swap so that they get the most value out of the service. Oh, okay. Um, so one of the things that we're also doing uh, in conjunction with launching our 999 price plan is to offer cheaper versions of the other plan that also don't come with free delivery. So if you're a parent that, you know, you like the notion of renting things a couple of months, but you don't quite want to make a swap every month, you can get mm-hmm. things from us and they just pay the delivery costs every time you deliver to you, etc. Okay. Uh, and then that reduces obviously the overall cost to you, uh, makes it a little bit of something that is easier to have at the back of your mind, whether it's something that you actively yeah. kind of have to think about every uh, couple of weeks. Um, and so, you know, we're making a lot of changes to, to that to, uh, based on our learnings in the pilot, uh, to make sure that when we go out to the broader audience and parents that we have already incorporate all this feedback to how we think about subscription plans. Uh, and then the next couple of months looks broadly like, uh, you know, us trying to fulfill as many orders as we can and trying to get as many customers onto the platform as we can and to yeah. use this momentum to then get more suppliers on board. Because you know, one thing that's quite difficult about any startup or starting any new business is actually getting the rest of the people in the industry to be excited by what you yes. do and to supply you with toys, etc. Uh, and you know, I think transparently, we've done quite well in that regard. Every, every brand that you see on a platform is a brand that we've worked with a supplier to source, um, and they've largely been very excited by what we're doing. Uh, again, recognizing that the toy industry is in a bit of a state right now and could use some innovative ideas. Right. Uh, and, and so, but, but, you know, there are a couple of brands that we wish we could work with, but it's been hard for us to, you know, for them to want to work with us because we're too small, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And um, so we're trying to get into that cycle where we've now done a lot of work in the pilot to really improve the customer experience. We now yeah. want to use that to uh, then, you know, go out, get more more customers onto our platform, use that to continue improving through getting more brands, more toys on the website, more feedback over our website as well. Um, and then in the background, we're working on a few key things on our website, the ability to uh, kind of send a subscription as a gift, receive a subscription yes. as a gift. You know, what we discussed earlier around um, how we, might, we want to think about we, the process was to receive toys donated to uh, us, etc. And so there are quite a few big things that we're still working on this year, uh, and then the possibility of other standard things like a 
mobile phone application so that if you're on the go and you're with your kid on the high street they see a toy in the yes room. no no we can get it on Wiley don't yeah, worry yeah, you can check it quite crazy and edit right now so yeah just a few things around like improving the convenience aspect having more delivery options uh, because of course again as I said earlier we are expecting parents to change their behaviors a bit and we want to make sure it's as convenient as possible uh, right now the returns books through Royal Mail and books through the post office which is a process I think most of us are familiar with uh, but we also want to be able to offer pick and collect. We also want yes. to be able to pick it up directly from your home in the evening, uh, which is probably the most convenient thing for a lot of parents, etc. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, again, it's just a um, constant battle, I would say, as a founder of uh, trying to get all these partners to work with you. And mm. all these partners want to, you know, there, there's this catch too of they want you to have a lot of customers before they work with you. Yeah. Our customers want to be working with yes. to join us, etc. So just figuring our way around that. Yeah. So where do you see Worley in, I don't know, five years' time? That's a really big question. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I think um, what has excited uh, myself and a bunch of people about what we're doing here is the potential for this to be quite a, you know, I, don't, I hate to use revolutionizing, but you're quite a revolutionary kind of a change in how we shop for toys. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, we get a lot of very interesting questions where some people in um, other countries in Europe actually ask if we dispatch uh, to the oh. Netherlands or Luxembourg or wherever they're from. So there's obviously a lot of um, potential for us to think quite broadly internationally as well, or even quite broadly into other adjacencies. We do get questions around, uh, oh, would you please do something for kids' you know, winter wear because I buy yeah. a coat and then you yeah. know, the next time the season comes around again, they've outgrown it and it's, mm. it's a huge waste of money. Uh, so at the end of the day, we, we pioneer a sharing economy for toys. We think that it's going to be a long journey to just reach the heights of what this company could be in the UK, let alone some of the other agencies internationally or in other categories. Uh, but also something that you know, we always think about uh, in the back of mind. Yeah. And I think it's quite exciting because we were talking earlier about encouraging kids to share and things. But actually, if they're growing up with this notion of, or very different notion of ownership, that starting from their toys, their notion of ownership as they grow and they start, you know, buying their own homes and looking for furniture and things, it, that renting aspect will be quite familiar to them. I know IKEA are thinking about doing schemes for renting furniture and to actually just redress this whole thing that we don't need to own everything. And if they're growing up with that, that can only be for the good. Yes, absolutely. And as you say, it's uh, starting young, uh, learning these concepts and then being able to apply it later on. As you say, when you buy a car, maybe you don't mm. need a car, you could, you could share it, you could buy furniture, etc. Uh, I do broadly agree um, that at the end of the day, as a society, I think we do overproduce uh, and we do not just in toys, but in a lot of different spaces. Yes. I think that you know, just doesn't have the longevity for us to justify the cost to ourselves and then also the cost you know, environmentally as well. Yeah. Uh, and it is about uh, recognizing that shared ownership is you know, something that can help. It's a win-win-win for everyone. It's a win for our wallets. It's a win for the planet. It's a kind of win for kind of flexibility, ease options as well, etc. That's not something to shy away from. I think the mentality really has shifted. Uh, so you know, I, I, I'm you know, East Asian myself. I grew up in, in Singapore. One thing I often talk about as well is that. Uh, you know, there is sometimes a sense, uh, especially East Asia culturally, that the, that ownership is really important. Like, you know, they're really proud of the things mm. you bought, you're proud of your car, you're proud of this, and you're proud of that. Uh, but I think a lot of our kind of attitudes towards that you know, as a society, especially in the UK and globally, is shifting away from that. And that we're now feeling prouder to, you know, to share something rather than to, you know, buy something outright. We're prouder that, you know, we're making a difference by all these things that we're doing. Uh, you're substituting meat from the diets, etc. Uh, and I think it's really important that you know this kind of mindset continues, and the best way for it to continue, for the best way for us to instill it in the next generation, is also to get them to start thinking about it young and role modeling with them as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, I think your date for your sort of full relaunch is reasonably fluid is it have you got a, a date in mind <laughs> yeah so uh, we're just working on a few things that you know I, we're quite keen on quality and everything we do mm. here at Worley so uh, tentatively is actually meant to be tomorrow so which is the 12th of March okay but uh, what we are, what we're just doing is the final round of checks and if they're we always reserve and why we don't really announce this too publicly yes 
if there are a few things last minute, and sometimes they are just minor things that you know it's not great for user experience, we will take the call to delay because at the end of the day, uh, I think uh, you know what we really want to make sure is that we don't compromise on quality and trust for my yeah. customers. Uh, it is a space, as we discussed before, that yeah, I think parents can and rightfully should be quite sensitive about what they are giving to them, etc. Uh, and we want to make sure that from everything that we do, from our customer service to our web experience, to the quality of toys, to the quality of packaging, etc., that it all comes across as a very professional and quality experience. Yeah. So we don't want to be a startup that tries to uh, run too quickly. We don't want to be a startup that you know grows too quickly at the expense of the kind of uh, service levels we provide for customers. Uh, and so, in the way that we plan our launch, for example, we would take the call, uh, and I will take the call probably in two hours' time at the end of today. <laughs> we're fully ready for launching tomorrow, or whether yeah. we're going to give ourselves another couple of days and what it will mean for our customers. Okay, but hopefully, I mean, this is probably going to go out takes a couple of weeks of editing and scheduling and things but hopefully by the time this goes out sort of end of march you guys will be oh no absolutely uh, yeah brilliant <laughs> we'll be better, yeah. so where can we find you online if people want to come and explore the website yeah, absolutely uh, if you want to come take a look at what we have uh, go to worldly.com that's spelled as w-h-i-r-l-i.com yep. brilliant and you're on quite a lot of the i think i've seen you lots of places on social media you're um your ad targeting is reaching the right, <laughs> the right audience. <laughs> well, it's good to hear. But yes, you can find us uh, on Instagram and Facebook as well. Uh, on Instagram, particularly, we share uh, quite interesting ideas around combinations of toys to play with and quite imaginative. Again, trying oh, brilliant. to bring back the element of fun, uh, not just for the children, but for the parents as well. Yeah, fabulous. I think it's so exciting and I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing where it goes and and really keeping my fingers crossed for you that the uptake is you know everything that it should be so thank you so much for taking the time to tell us a little bit about it and uh, all the very best for your launch wonderful thanks for having me you've been listening to sustainable ish you wonderful sack of loveliness with me jen gale hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old gray matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review, and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is, and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time.